Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm really happy to be here with you today. We've got a great show in store, and I'm so hoping I'm going to see you at one of the stops on the That Sounds Fun podcast tour in June. Be sure to visit AnnieFDowns.com to grab your tickets. And before we jump into the conversation for today, I want to take a quick minute and tell you about one of our incredible partners, BetterHelp. Y'all know how much I believe in the importance of counseling. If there are patterns in your life that are causing you to feel stuck or that are getting in the way of you reaching your goals, BetterHelp is here for you. BetterHelp will evaluate your needs and then match you with your own licensed professional therapist who you can connect with in a convenient, safe, and private online environment. You can send your therapist a message anytime. You'll get timely thoughtful responses, and you can start communicating within 24 hours. And you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions with your counselor. Some things I really love about BetterHelp are that great therapeutic matches really matter to them, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if you need to. And they have therapists that specialize in a wide variety of disciplines, including self-esteem or family challenges, stress, grief, and more, which means they have someone who knows how to help you with what you're going through. This isn't self-help, and it's not a crisis hotline. BetterHelp offers convenient, professional, affordable counseling, and everything you share is confidential. I want you to start living a healthier life today. As one of my friends, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash that sounds fun. Join over a million people and a lot of our friends who've taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash that sounds fun. You guys, it is about time I had this guest on the show with us today. Laura Tremaine is awesome. And her new book that just came out actually the same day as That Sounds Fun. It's called Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First. She's the host of 10 Things to Tell You podcast. She's just awesome. So get ready. Here's my conversation with my book birthday twin, Laura Tremaine. Thanks for being on the show today, Laura. I love it so much. Thank you for having me. Uh, listen, happy birthday book twins is what we have. That sounds fun. And share your stuff. I'll go first. Literal twins. I love it so much. I can't think of anyone that I would rather be a book twinsy with than you because that sounds fun and share your stuff. Like they just pair yes. so well as an idea. Yes, I absolutely agree. Will you talk a little bit about uh, one of the things we got to do by releasing on the same day is cheer for each other. And I I don't know if you got messages about this, but I got messages of people being like, oh no, are you stressed that your friends are releasing on the same day? And And I just love that we weren't stressed about that at all. No, listen, I'm glad that you said that. And I'm going to say this publicly, and I hope this doesn't make you uncomfortable. But it was so generous of you to really cheer for the other people coming out on the same day. I feel like you led the way in that, Annie. And I was like texting friends to be like, I haven't really seen this. Because even if there's not like a competitive nature in a person's spirit, like in you know, in the, like in between people, it's, it is a competitive industry. Do you know what I mean? So when I saw what you were doing and how you were cheering other people on, not just me, you welcomed us onto your IG lives. You were like posting about it. I just learned like a huge lesson that day from you, honestly, like in just how to be generous 
And I have told so many people about it privately since that you did that. And that even behind the scenes, you know, I won't go into all the details, but even behind the scenes, you reached out privately to me to just be like, good job. You're doing great. Isn't this amazing? When really you could have had a different attitude about it all. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I learned a huge lesson from you. This is all very sweet for you to say. I genuinely thought we were on the same page about all that. So I was experiencing the exact same things from you. And so we were, I mean, I think we were just, I think it's just better this way, right? I mean, what your book and my book say go better together. Totally. But you were the seasoned author in this situation. (laughs) And I was a newbie who didn't really know like what I was doing. I was flailing in the the best of ways. I was flailing. And so I really like was so eye-opening to be like, oh, no, this is amazing to have someone else who's gone before me have this attitude and energy around it. It was, it like really was a special part of that week for me. And since that was my very first book, I feel like I'll always remember that. Oh, well, thank you. I was honored that we got to do that on the same day and that you were generous enough to join in the celebrating with all of us. So same, same, same page. You're a first-time author. So many of our friends listening want to write a book, are writing their first book, have their first book deal, are dreaming of it. What do you feel now that you're two months in, the book's been out for two months, what do you know now that you didn't know in 2020 or in January before the books came out on in February? Well, I feel like I know what everyone said before me, but you just have to learn it for yourself, is that it is so much work. Yeah. And it's... So much work that's not just the writing of the book. Like, I loved writing the book, and it was a long time coming for me. I've been sharing myself on the internet for 10 years. I started as a mommy blogger, became a podcaster, you know, social media, all the things. This book was a really, really long time dream of mine. And I don't think that I had really, like, (laughs) understood the scope of what launching a book is. It's not just writing the book or editing the book, which is its own beast. Like all the marketing pieces, that's not that's not really my skill set, but it's totally a requirement. Yeah, they don't really tell everybody that at the start, huh? Right. And so I just wasn't ready for it. And I mean, I think I feel like proud of of what I did. I feel like I yes. I'm excited about what I did and I feel like I had integrity with what I did. But like you know, if the question is, what did you not know a year ago? <laughs> like, well, this is what I did not know. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not really a marketer. And maybe next time around, I would distinguish those roles differently in my life than I did for this first time. Does it make you want to keep writing or does it make you change what you think about the industry? Well, I'm in a two book deal. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, have I will be deal. writing another book. <laughs> Amen, sister. Amen. How do you feel about your publisher? I got a two-book um, deal. How do you feel about your agent? I got a two-book deal. <laughs> I know. I know. You love them all because you're in a two-book deal. I got you. I love them so much. I do feel like I have, and I had, and I have had a really good experience with my publisher and everything, but I do feel like it has changed how I feel about the industry and mm-hmm. that it just feels like, like I said, all these pieces that I didn't know about in the marketing they totally make sense from a business perspective. There were no like huge curveballs. It's just that, you know, the business side of it isn't my skill set. And so I was like, sure, I guess you could outsource a lot of those pieces. But when you're, you know, when you're new to it, you know, I couldn't, I, or I didn't, I guess I should say. And so 
it has changed a little bit, like thinking about the industry of like, wow, this really isn't just about book writing. This is about like a lot of other things. Yeah. I mean, I think that's such good wisdom for people to hear you say, because the the dream is when we're sitting on the side of pre-publishing, the dream is, so do I like go to a cabin and light a candle and write for a couple of months and then I turn it in and then everybody buys Which it? Which I did. You did? I did that. Oh, yeah. lucky. You lucky yes. duck. <laughs> You'll do that again for book I two, I hope. I did the whole like, I, I will. I probably will. I did the whole like ride in a cabin thing. I went and wrote in the desert, Annie. Like I really yes. like did the whole thing. But and I didn't, I don't probably need to do that for book two, but yeah, it's the fan. I wanted to live out that part of the fantasy. It's I'm actually the best glad you part. That you have I wanted to do to that live again. Out that part of the fantasy. Yes, yes, you got to do it again. <laughs> but the part that isn't the fantasy is after the book is turned in. It's also and and the thing I've said to some other friends, another author and I just had this conversation recently. Laura, is that we're just like really talking about how they make the sausage here today. But um, I said, you know, the part of what they are paying you to do is paying you to be an author of the book is to get your book to your audience. They don't have access to your audience. You and I have access to our audiences. And so what they they want you to write the book and then they want you, they aren't asking you to sell it to the world. They're asking you to make sure the people that know you and love you know that the book exists, right? Is that, I mean, does that feel like that encompasses kind of what was asked of you? Yes, but I wish that you had said that exact wording to me like a few months before my book release because I felt like I did have the pressure, not from my publisher at all, not from my publisher or agent or any of those people, but just my own internal pressure of I have to sell this book to the world. Like I have to get this book in all of the top, you know, bookstores. I have to get all the top marketing opportunities or like, you know, publicity opportunities. Like I felt like that pressure was on me to sell Mm. to a whole new audience that didn't know anything about me. Mm. And if, and people told me to sort of narrow in on my audience, but I felt like truthfully, I was like, well, my audience isn't big enough for what, you know, the amount of books I'm trying to sell. Yes, That was completely wrong on my part. First of all, my audience is amazing and is certainly big enough to hear the message that I was trying to give, right? Like if I had taken that advice and really focused in on the people who already were primed to hear Mm -hmm. my message about sharing, Mm -hmm. then um, I think I would have had less stress. And again, that's that's like sort of an emotional thing and not a business thing because business-wise, like I, I, you know, I I hit some of my goals. Like I did all of the things that I was – told to do in like a spreadsheet sort of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In an emotional way. I kind of wish that I had like connected with the audience on it. Like if I'd really gone hard that way. And that's what I'll do this next time around for sure. That's what I'll do. Yeah. Well, you talk about, I think some of where, what happens when we go into any new career is we bring some of our old career with us. So doing TV like you've done for forever where the real, I mean, the job of making TV shows is to reach everybody, right? So, so was was it bringing mm-hmm. some of your skill set from a previous job into this job? No, because for me, 
when I made the switch from working like seven years in reality TV and then I started my mommy blog, that's when I made that switch. Yep. It was like a, a definite pivot from manufactured reality mm-hmm. to authentic reality. Mm-hmm. Like I was working in reality TV, but, you know, reality TV isn't reality. It isn't real. And <laughs> Oh, don't it, tell me that. Don't tell like, me that. <laughs> I hope that's not bursting anyone's <laughs> bubble. But then I had to like make a pivot to like sharing my like honest, raw, authentic, you know, right. self on a blog. And at the time, this was like 11 years ago. So reality TV is different now and blogging is certainly different now. But at the time, that felt like a really big contrast yeah. in, you know, how I was feeling. Do you miss blogging of 2008? That's a good question. I miss, there are things I miss about it. Mm. I miss the community. Yeah, me too. I miss the sort of DIY-ness of it. You know, it was Mm. so much less slick and like there were less teams and monetization and all that. And I am so glad that bloggers have figured out like how to make this a killer career. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, how to make money off of their, off, off of their talents, which totally blogging is. Like, I'm so glad that bloggers, specifically women, like, just started killing it in the internet space. Like, yeah. I'm so proud of us for doing that. But there are things that I miss about when it was a little more, like, garage sale style. <laughs> When it was literally like when I would get home from teaching elementary school, I'd be like, well, I've got to write up something tonight to share tomorrow. So I'll do a little recipe or a couple of pictures from my classroom today. I mean, just like there was you're right. There was nothing slick about it. We were just telling each other. I mean, I read your blog back then. We were just telling each other stories about our days. And the comment section was our connection. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. It was special. It was actually a really special time. I'm actually so proud to be a part of it. Also for me, and one of the things that I write about in Share Your Stuff, and that has been like a big theme in my life, is that I started my blog from a place of loneliness. I was super, oh, wow. super lonely at that time in my life. I was a new mom. I had stopped working in TV production when all of my friends in LA still worked. And so I was at home alone all day. I felt like I I felt like I didn't have any friends. And truthfully, I didn't have any local friends. I had mm. longtime childhood friends and college friends and whatever in other parts of the country. But in Los Angeles, which is a really hard city sometimes yeah. to make deep connections. Um, it's not that the sh- that Los Angeles is super shallow, although I know that's the stereotype. It's not necessarily that. It's more about just like, uh, I don't know, busyness and opportunity and creative people who are flaky and like all these other factors. But in general, I was super, super lonely. And and so I started my blog and started sharing myself on this blog. And because of this community that we're talking about and because of comment sections and because of blog conferences, yes. that is what like brought me friendships. Like I, I met friends finally that got me, who understood me, who understood the kinds of things that I was really cared about on the internet. And so I hate it when people like poo-poo internet friends or say the internet friends are not real friends because that's mm-hmm. not true. Like uh, internet friends pulled me out of years of loneliness. 
Oh, I I am a hundred percent with you. I think there were, especially in, in a decade ago ish, when we were going to blog conferences a couple of times a year, where where people that you were reading every day, this was when y'all got together. I, still, those are some of the women that matter greatly in my life, and and have been in my life for a long mm-hmm. time. What's the comparison today, Laura? Where? some of our friends listening feel that loneliness that you so beautifully described and you talk about and share your stuff. Where, where do they go today? What's the online equivalent? Is that Instagram? This isn't going to be popular, but I think it's Facebook groups. Really? Okay. Go in on that. Tell me more. So I first started to discover this on like a bigger level and not just on my friends level, because after those blog conferences, they started having these little smaller Facebook groups. And I'm talking with like 10 to 20 women, like very small where we were, you know, having these really tight little tight knit groups. Okay. But then after that, when I started to see this on a bigger level was when the Sorta Awesome podcast started. That's where I cut my teeth in Uh podcasting. I was a co-host on Sorta Awesome, which was started by Meg Teets. Yeah. And she started a Facebook group community called the Sorta Hangout Group. (laughs) And, you know, so it was thousands of women and it was amazing. And I was like, this actually can happen in in larger scenes like this. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be like, you don't have to know 10 people and really stick your neck out in order Mm -hmm. to have an internet friendship. Mm -hmm. It can happen in these groups that are pretty big. I mean, they would have pretty intimate conversations. Like really people were sharing themselves. People were asking questions in those Facebook groups that they would never ask their real life friends, or they would certainly never post like widely on the internet. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, that's been several years now, but since then I've seen it in other groups. A lot of times they are associated with something else that exists. So they're fans of an author or a podcast or like you know, I don't know, you have some sort of similar hobby or something. But I just, I see it going down in Facebook groups. And then a lot of times, if you kind of find a group of people in there, they may spin off and start their own Mm -hmm. little group. But those are, I think the real, real friendships are starting behind those doors. I really do. Okay. Facebook groups. Hey, friends, just taking a short break from this conversation to give a shout out to our amazing partners, Raycon. Raycon provides innovative earbud designs at prices that don't break the bank. Listen, I use my Raycon Everyday E25 earbuds all the time from listening to podcasts while I'm sitting on my porch without my neighbors having to hear or to have hands-free phone calls while I'm on a walk or cooking dinner so I can stay in touch with my people. The audio quality is amazing. The battery lasts so long, y'all, up to six hours of listening time. And they're just really comfortable to wear. The customizable fit with different size options of the little silicone earpieces is a game changer. So they stay right where they belong, but you forget they're even there. And there are no wires to get tangled up in. There are tons of color options, so you can always be sporting earbuds that fit your personality. And one of my favorite things about them is that they keep me from constantly having a screen in front of my face. But I can still enjoy music or audiobooks while I'm out on a walk or podcasts while I'm cleaning the house. They connect to Bluetooth really easily and are water and sweat resistant. Raycon's offering my friends 15% off all their products, y'all. So go to buyraycon.com slash that sounds fun to get 15% off your entire Raycon order. Again, that's B-U-Y 
R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash that sounds fun for 15% off. Raycon earbuds started about half the price of other premium wireless earbud brands, but sound just as amazing as the other top audio brands. And now back to our conversation. So one of our friends listening goes, okay, I want to be in that. Does she start one? Does she search in Facebook for other people who love cross-stitching or other people who live in a certain neighborhood or? Yes. Whatever, whatever your thing is. Like a lot of times, if you are a fan of a certain podcast, like sure. start in those groups or if you are like on a um, launch team for a book release, I've heard that this has happened. I didn't do a launch team for my book, but like... Obviously, if you're on a launch team for a book, for an author, for, you know, you have a similar interest. You like the message that's being conveyed, like, through that person or, or um, you know, through that book or podcast, whatever it is. You can also do a hobby. You can also do a sport. You can yeah. also do, like, a local thing, like you said. Local ones would be great because then you have the b- bigger chance of, like, a meetup and becoming friends in real life. Um and then it's not going to be – you might have to kiss a lot of Facebook group frogs. Like it's not <laughs> right. Be like the first one you're in is not going to be magic necessarily. But. Oh, my gosh. I, you know, I talk a ton about hobbies because that's one of my big things in, is believing that they matter to us. They change our lives. And people ask me all the time, what if I don't like this hobby? And I'm like – Get another hobby. <laughs> like, I don't care. You do not, you can kiss hobby frogs and walk away from them. Not all your hobbies are going to be princes. So that's good advice as well in the Facebook yes. group world. I just think, will you talk about when you were writing Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First? I mean, it is about how you take friendships to another level. Why, why is that your first right book? Everybody's first book really matters. Why was that your first book? Well, I didn't think that was going to be my first book. <gasps> really? I had other books in mind. Yeah, girl, I got some rejections. Oh, I listen, tried I a few different things. But, you know, I think that the share your stuff idea ended up being my first book because it was completely like true and real and that it had changed my life. It wasn't mm-hmm. a gimmicky thing. I mean, I know it has like a fun title and a polka dot cover and it has all these things, but it it's not a gimmick. This is mm-hmm. something that has truly changed my life is sharing myself on the internet. And the older I get, as I went when I was 30, I'm 41 now. So all, you know, through the whole decade of my 30s, what I saw was women sharing themselves less and less. Wow. So as maybe they were excited to share this new thing in their life, started a new career, you know, they started a family, whatever was happening in their life. And then as time went on, it got less and less. We are quieter because we are suddenly we're protecting that career. So we can't, or we're protecting a spouse or mm. our kids are older. So we don't want to be embarrassing. So we don't share the world has gotten so loud and divisive politically, religiously. I don't want to share anything that might be misconstrued in those arenas. Mm-hmm. Like we just share less and less as we go through. And then we look up in our 40s and we're like, nobody knows me. Mm. I am not known because I have been, you know, whitewashing myself. I've been trying to make everything like plain and pleasing and lovely when really what we're doing is we're just making ourselves 
less and smaller. Mm -hmm. And so we feel unknown, we feel unseen, and we don't know where to start. And so I felt like if I could give people a tool to literally share themselves, like this is literally how you do it in my book. Like here's a question you can answer. Here's, you know, here's how you can do it. This is how you can be seen. And it doesn't have to be scary. You don't have to tiptoe into posting on controversial topics if that's not your jam. But when you don't post anything, and this isn't about online, by the way, I use post because we're talking about internet stuff, but this is also true in our real life groups, in our book clubs, in our church groups, in our whatever, that we sit around those circles and we don't say anything interesting Mm. for years. Wow. And so as time goes on, of course, we don't even know who we are, let alone does anyone else know who we are. Mm -hmm. And so I think if you just share yourself in your real life or on the internet, whichever you feel comfortable or both, the more you share yourself in these ways, the more sure you are of who you are. And that's attractive to other people. Like that's how you attract friends. That's how you attract relationships is to like be more of who you are. And, but a lot of us just, you, we hear that, that little message, that pillow, you know, <laughs> cross stitched on a pillow, be more of who you are. And you're like, okay, but what, what, like, then what do I, how do you do that? What do you mean? Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm like, it's sharing. If the sharing is the piece. I, I'm, as I'm hearing you, I'm thinking that on Monday, our friends heard me talk with Francis Chan about humility. And like being really humble as we try to unify within the church and try to have unity. When you talk about church groups or friend groups or everybody who lives in your neighborhood and you're about to sit by each other at the pool every day and while your kids swim and book clubs. So how do we show up our full selves, Laura, even if we disagree politically and even if I want to wear a mask and she doesn't? Or if I am bothered by what happened at school and they aren't bothered, like how do we show up and be ourselves and go first when we know we disagree with people? Listen, it's so hard. And I think the humility thing is an important point. Like when you're talking about approaching these kind of conversations with like a stance of humility and like grace and that kind of thing. But I also think the idea of that can work against us and like, oh, well, I don't want to draw attention to myself. Mm. I don't want to stir up trouble. Like we can give ourselves these messages of why we shouldn't have these conversations or why we shouldn't draw attention um, to ourselves by posting or sharing because we all have that person in our feed, right, who just way <laughs> overshares, like who shares, 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 shares. And we we overcorrect by not sharing at all. You know, the the one person that we're paying attention to, we overcorrect and we don't share at all. Wow. But most of us are not oversharers at all by any means. But to have the conversations that you're asking, I think, and I have not perfected this by any means, but <laughs> I do think that we have to be better at learning to pick our battles. And I'm learning this in a real personal way right now. But mm-hmm. to pick your battles of like, hey, if I am annoyed with you at carpool because you didn't wear your mask. And it really cares. I really care a lot about that topic. And I really think we should all be wearing our mask. Is that particular thing what I want to have a a hard conversation about with this friend or with this acquaintance? Maybe not. Maybe this is not where I want to pull that card. Because there might be something that is really, really important. And we we need to stand up for ourselves. We need to stand up for our beliefs or for our family or whatever and and be able to have that 
conversation with them, but you you don't want to be like every <laughs> sharing yourself does not mean that every time there's a slight or every time you're annoyed by someone that you sit down and have like a meaningful conversation about it. <laughs> that is not what sharing yourself is. That sounds horrible. <laughs> So what is sharing yourself then? What is sharing your stuff and going first in 2021? I mean, that's why I'm glad your book came out now because five years ago, this would have been such a different conversation. But right now I'm like, Laura, I'm learning from you how to do this in a way that lets me be genuinely Annie, even when my friends don't agree with everything. Well, I think there's two elements to this, the sharing yourself and you'll go first. Let's actually start with the go first because this is a little bit um, more universal and and then we'll get to the sharing yourself. But for the go first part, it is so hard for us, for anyone to just like randomly raise our hand and be like, hey, can we just all talk about like what it was like in the seventh grade? I mean, nobody, why would you do that? Like people are going to think you're so random. But if you are the person that is willing to say, okay, I will go first on this kind of a topic other people will follow. Other people mm. have thoughts about seventh grade that they want to share with you. So you have to be willing to whatever the topic is, if it's a sensitive topic, if it's a funny topic, if it's a hard, like we're talking about hard discussions topic, make yourself go first. Not mm. every time. That would be too much of a burden in a friend group for you to be the person to go first every single time. Mm -hmm. But if you learn to go first sometimes, other people in your real life groups and in your online groups, then they will take their turn and they will go first. But you have to teach people how to do this. Like you have to model your own behavior and be like, I'll go first. Next time, Annie, you're going to go first. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to be bossy and assign it like that. But that is how it plays out in your groups. You just have to be willing to be the person to say something and other people will follow. It, it, we've all seen this happen. We've all have lived this out and we've seen the person go first and how then everyone else then slowly finds their voice, right? Which is amazing. Now, on the share yourself portion of this, there's a lot of different like ways you can approach sharing yourself. And there's a lot of different reasons why this might matter to you. So like if you are trying to share yourself to have a deeper connection with friends, which is the main point of my book, then there's going to be one approach. If you're really trying to reconnect with a spouse, that's a different, mm -hmm. you know, kind of thing. If you're trying to build a platform and you're trying to learn how to share yourself online because you want to write a book or do any of these things we're talking about, that's a third approach. There's like a lot of ways that you can do this. And mm -hmm. I really want to reiterate to people that sharing yourself does not mean that you have to like start with your world's deepest trauma. You know, you're not put have to put your guts out there in order to share yourself. You can start with little things that are like funny or um, interesting. There's a book, there's a chapter in the book that people are really resonating with called Magical Moments. Yes. And it's sort of just about all of these, we all have these stories, right? About like someone knew something they couldn't possibly know. Someone, you know, you see something that seems like it's not of this world. I don't know. There's all these ways we've had these magical moments and there's not much reason to talk about them, you know, mm -hmm. unless the topic comes up specifically. But if you were to share and be like, I have this magical moment I want to share, and then you can all go around and share your magical moments. I love hearing other people's magical moments. And so that does not have to be like the deepest, most heartfelt thing of your life. But it probably is a thing that you don't get to talk about very often, or something that you really do want to share, but you're not 
mm. really sure how. And there's a lot of examples of that in the book that are not going to make you absolutely cringe. We're talking about who was there in your life, mm. you know, through all types of different scenarios. Who was there? I ask about notable fashion moments. Okay, that one's silly, <laughs> but that can also be really bonding. You know, like when you're it talking about somewhere, notable fashion. It leads somewhere, yeah. There's just a lot of different ways. Yeah, like you can learn a lot about a person if you see them in their prom dress. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know? yes, yes. And all of a sudden you're telling the story <laughs> of your high school graduation and you're rolling down a hill of suddenly you're telling a really important heart story in your life that you weren't actually intending to tell. But when someone asked you about prom, it's where things ended up. Exactly. Yes, you connected all the dots. You can share something shallow that leads to something deep, or you can start with something deep and you can end up cry laughing Mm -hmm. with just how crazy the world is. Mm -hmm. Like just these baby steps of sharing ourselves and letting other people share to you, you know, being a listener when other people are sharing I think that that's what's going to heal us as a nation. I think that that's what heals our individual spirits from like loneliness, like I've talked about and, and how we end up, we, we aren't looking up in in the middle of our life and being like, who am I? What am I doing? No, Mm -hmm. we're figuring it out every time we share. Uh, I, have some people that recently have been talking, I've been doing like fun coaching on Instagram and a couple of different people have said to me, I am always the one who plans the fun. I wish someone else would do it first. So when we're talking about going first and sharing your stuff, as your title says, when does the person who always goes first get a break? Give her a little permission of when she doesn't have to go first. Or does she always have to go first? Is this the way? No, but she has to ask for it. Mm. And I say that as a person who goes first, not in the fun planning. I'm not a fun planner. But I am usually the person who goes first. And whenever people are sitting in a circle doing some kind of emotional sharing, I'm usually the one going first. (laughs) And that's not always amazing. That's not like – sometimes I'm not in the mood to do that. You know, like – so I think that if you're always the fun – planner, you have to be like really clear and say, I'm not going to plan our friend Sally's birthday. Like Mm -hmm. I need someone else to take the reins. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like I can't do it. Can't. And then, but then if they take the reins and the night isn't that fun, which sometimes happens. (laughs) This is what happens. This is what happens. That's right. That's what happens. Poor people like you and I who are like, the, we give up the reins and then people complain it wasn't fun or we didn't share as deeply. And we're like, fine, I'll never give it up again. And then we have control issues. Or is that just me? No, that's totally me. I'm an Enneagram one. And I'm like, well, okay, you didn't do it right. Okay, next time I'll do it. <laughs> that is fascinating to me that you identify as a one, Laura, because ones, in my experience of ones, it's not their natural first step to share emotionally. That feels like a a choice for a one more than some of the other numbers who naturally flow into their emotions. Is that true of you or is that, have you trained yourself to be that way? I've always been emotional and I've always shared emotionally. So that part is natural, Mm -hmm. but where the oneness kicks in is like there's a right way to do things and there's a wrong way and like you need we all need to do it the right way and so I can definitely be super judgy about the way that someone is doing any number of things like I my 
my judgment will come all the way out. But also I like it's a I do think it fits in with my message because it's I care a lot about justice and fairness and people wanting, you know, I I get really frustrated when people complain about being lonely in their life or um, feel unseen, but yet they don't want to take the steps to to be seen. And so that's all that's all one stuff just blah, blahing out. I mean, (laughs) it makes so much sense that your podcast is called 10 Things to Tell You. Like, I have got 10 things to tell you, and here we go. (laughs) Will you talk a little bit about your show? I I love sharing other podcasts that I know my friends are going to love listening to. Will you talk about how you created, because it really was right after your blog. It was before the book, right, that 10 Things to Tell You happened next. Yeah, I started the blog. I started the podcast first. It's called 10 Things to Tell You, and it is just my bossy oneself having 10 <laughs> things to tell people at all times. But also, it is giving people the tools for them to have their 10 things. I feel like everybody yes. has stuff we need to share. So every single episode asks a question, and you're supposed to take the question or the topic from every single episode, and you're supposed to either text a friend, and then you use it, you answer the question with each other as like just a one point in your week to connect with a friend or a spouse. A lot of people have Voxer groups or like Marco Polo groups where they, mm-hmm. where they ask the question to each other, and they all go around every single week. And answer the question from 10 Things to Tell You. So, Or you can take it to a journal. Sometimes the topics are really pretty tender or sensitive. You might not want to discuss it with someone. You can take the question that I'm asking every week to your journal. But the point of 10 Things to Tell You, as I have things to tell the audience, and I know that every audience member has their own things to tell, Mm -hmm. is to get people sharing. I mean, Mm -hmm. that is has always been the point. It has always been like, here, I will give you the conversation starter. I will give you something to talk about on date night or girls night out or whatever, you know, wherever you're meeting with people and want to have better conversations. You don't want to come home from that girls night out and just feel like that was dumb kind of. Like I didn't really, you know, that was a waste of my time. I'm coming home and I'm feeling like I you know, spent too much money on margaritas and I don't feel fulfilled in any way. Yes. I don't want to have any more nights like that. That like preaches too true, by the way. That preaches too true to me. (laughs) That's real life. I don't want to have any more nights like that. Mm -hmm. I want to have fulfilling conversations or at least feel like we tried. We tried to see each other. We tried to be seen. And that's what this that's what friendship is about. Yeah. So what when you're creating your episodes, what I love about your podcast is every episode is so different. Like even last week, there was a whole one about the writing industry and what people can learn. But then you also tell us your favorite things. You also bring on guests. Like how do you shape your podcast? It feels like you do one of those bingo wheels and you pull out the ball that you think is most interesting today. That is really a perfect example of what I do. Exactly. <laughs> Wait, did I already mention how I'm not a good businesswoman? <laughs> yes, you are. Get out of here. You're a great businesswoman. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. I just know you. There is no, like, great grand plan for the show. I just, like, pay attention a lot to what people are talking about, what interests me, mm-hmm. what I feel like isn't being covered in 
a lot of spaces of like, hey, let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. But I, but every show is not the same. Sometimes it's a solo show of me just sharing 10 things on any kind of topic, mm-hmm. 10 thoughts, 10 ideas, 10 tips. I do a lot of that. Uh-huh. But I love to have guests on who have important things to share. Um, I love to give a peek behind the curtain. I've done a lot of episodes about the writing, this book, the publishing the book, some business some business stuff. Like I just really mix it up. Women have a lot of interests. Women can talk about lipstick and then they can talk about the publishing industry and then they can talk about anti-racism and they can do all of that in 30 minutes. We are dynamic, smart people and we're going to talk about all of those things. Hey friends, just interrupted this conversation one more time to tell you about one of our incredible partners, Stitch Fix. We're at that point in the year when it is time to do a little wardrobe refresh, friends, since the weather has warmed up. The only thing about online shopping, though, is that you never know if things will fit and returns can be difficult. This season, let's let Stitch Fix do all the hard work. Stitch Fix offers clothing hand-selected by expert stylists for your unique size, style, and budget. You can take their little style quiz, which lets your stylist know your preferences, any upcoming special events, your budget, things like that. And then they send you a fix that's curated just for you. It's such a fun way to find clothes that you will love to wear. Every piece is chosen for your fit and your life. And it's the easy solution to finding clothes and accessories that will help you look and feel great. Here's how it works. Your stylist sends you a box containing five pieces, clothes, shoes, accessories. You try them on at home before you buy and you keep what you love and you return what you don't. Stitch Fix has free shipping, easy returns and exchanges, and a prepaid return envelope is included. They seriously thought of everything, and they make it so easy. There's no subscription required, so you can try Stitch Fix once or set up automatic deliveries. You'll pay just a $20 styling fee for each box, which gets credited toward any of the pieces you keep, and there are no hidden fees ever. Stitch Fix has styles and clothing to fit any occasion for women, men, and kids. They'll ship all over the U.S., and Stitch Fix is available to our friends in the U.K. as well. So get started today at stitchfix.com slash that sounds fun, and you'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. That's stitchfix.com slash that sounds fun for 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. Stitchfix.com slash that sounds fun. And now back to finish our conversation with Laura. Uh, Can we talk about lipstick for just a minute? Because you always show up in the correct shades. What is your, do you have a brand? Do you have, do you have a coach? What is your lipstick story? (laughs) I should do that. That is a good business idea, lipstick coach. No, I love strong lipstick because I think that you rise to the occasion. It can oh. change your whole mood. Lipstick can. It, and if you're in a bad mood or you feel like you don't look cute, your lipstick can change the whole trajectory of how that feels. And then also, I just think it's a power move. People <laughs> who can wear strong lipstick, even if they're not feeling confident, are they are putting forth the message of like, I am here and I do not play. Yeah. <laughs> and I I do this. It's my own kind of armor. You know, it's like my own, like, this is how I feel. This is how I want to be seen almost as like a person who wears the bright lipstick. Now, I have two recommendations though. I love the NARS Velvet Matte Lip Pencil. Okay. It is like a big crayon. It's, I have, that's what I have on right now. 
and it's you can that has all kinds of shades, but it also stays forever. It doesn't get all over everything. It doesn't smear because it's matte. So it's like a really nice formula for people who aren't used to wearing bright colors because I think one of the fears about wearing bright colors is that you're going to end up looking like the Joker, whatever. You will not with the NARS Velvet Matte Lip Pencil. But then I also love, if you're a more advanced lipstick wearer, (laughs) I really love um, Fenty, you know, the brand Fenty makes, gosh, I cannot think of what it's called. I'll have to send it to you because I don't have it right here. But she makes – it's like a little bitty one. Um, it's also matte. And it is the prettiest – she makes the prettiest shades. So that's my other recommend. Those are, those are the two things I'm into right now. For oh, I, I I am with you that I will wear lipstick and eye makeup every day. Not because I feel like the world's telling me I have to, but because I really enjoy it. Yes, it changes the whole outfit. Yeah. Like, I have on a sweatshirt right now. Well, I mean, you know. And I'm like, but I have lipstick and jewelry on, so it's fine. <laughs> this is an outfit. I put jewels on. It's an outfit. So it is. Here we go. <laughs> okay, so for my friends that live in L.A., as you live in L.A., and you, I, I'm circling you back a way bit ago where you said the perception of L.A. is that it's shallow. Will you tell the rest of us what it's actually like? Because my friends who live there don't have that experience, and you don't have that experience. Tell us what L.A. is really like for a family of faith, for a woman writing books, for a woman running her own business. Like, what is it really like for you? I love Los Angeles. Like, I deeply, deeply love Los Angeles. And I feel like if you don't live there, if you've never been there for more than just a weekend, it gets a really bad rap. Um, because the movies portray it as shallow or, you know, plastic surgery or like all these different things that people have in their mind about Los Angeles. But for me, what has been so meaningful to me about LA is that you can be anyone you want to be here. Mm. So I grew up in a really small town where there was a lot of expectations put on how to be like a classy woman of faith or, you know, how to dress there was just a lot of things that felt like in my small town growing up in Oklahoma that you had to be a certain way. That might not be true anymore. The world has changed. The internet has changed us all. But for me, when I moved to Los Angeles, it felt like, and this still is true, you can truly be anything you want. You can try on hobbies. You can try on hair colors. You can try identities. You can try on careers. You can try things. You can fail at things. And nobody blinks twice. Like everyone is like, yeah, this is, we've all had a script not get made. We've all gotten fired. We've all dyed our hair black and blonde and pink and blue. Mm. Like I love the freedom in LA of just people trying to figure out who they are, trying to be the best versions of themselves. I don't know that there's a lot of places in the world like that, where there's the expectations for you to always stay the same, mm-hmm. like that that's the virtue of like digging your heels in on who you are and staying that person for decades. That's not the value in LA. In LA, re- reinvention is welcomed. Trying things is standard. And I just, I love that. I am, I'm blown away here. And you talk about this because as you are saying it, I'm realizing one of the things that for all the things I adore about Nashville, 
we don't celebrate failure when each other's things don't go well. You know, there isn't like a, yeah, of course it didn't go well. Of course you didn't have a script go through. Of course the song didn't do well. Like, it's like, make another one. It's always like, oh man, that hurts. We're with you in the pain of that hurting. But I, I, I'm thinking of the other podcasters like you that I listen to out in LA. And there is this narrative of, oh man, that movie didn't go great. And I made that movie and this is how much it costs. Like, how do we bring that into our towns? How do we go first? How do I go first, Laura, in Nashville, of helping celebrate when we try new things, when we reinvent, when we don't do as well as we thought we do? Well, I think sharing it is helpful because one of the things that happens in LA is, and I don't want to say that we necessarily celebrate the failure. We don't. But it's sort of just like, yeah, if you're at a dinner party and someone's like, yeah, my last movie flopped, mm. or yeah, I haven't been able to get a job for six months, people are like, yeah, like, past the water. I mean, literally nobody, it's like, yeah, of course. Like this is, everybody goes through that in LA because it's such a fickle industry. Lots of things flop. My TV show got canceled. My, you know, all these things, it's just like part of the deal. It doesn't mean that it's not painful. Both my husband and I have both had rejection, like I already mentioned, that really sucks. It's like a, it's like a huge blow to the ego. Mm -hmm. But I do think it is enormously helpful to live among people who aren't like, whispering about it behind your back. Like they're just like shrugging their shoulders to be like, yeah, tough break, huh? Like, you know? Yeah. And so I do think having that kind of attitude around our failures, if we share them or if someone shares a failure with you, unless they're sharing it like from the deepest, somberest, most broken place, in which case you should respond in kind. But otherwise to just be like, all right, well, what's next? You know I mean? Just be like, okay, well, that didn't do great. Should we talk about why? You know, should we, do you want to sort of analyze from a business sense why that didn't work? Okay, but then what are we going to do about it next time? Mm -hmm. Instead of putting all this energy around it of like, I'm so sorry. Okay, let's talk. That's beautiful advice, by the way. Thank you. So can we talk for just a couple of minutes before we're finished about reality TV? Sure. What do you want to? <laughs> I don't watch this much of it anymore, but tell me what you watch or what okay, you want to know. Have you watched any of Andy Cohen's new show called Reality TV about the behind the scenes? No, but I love Andy Cohen and I'm obsessed with Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Listen, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, that woman getting arrested. What is happening? What? <laughs> What's happening? Listen, I need you to know my Bravo show of choice is Below Deck. Below Deck is the one I cannot quit. People love that show. I actually worked with the creator of that show. I worked with her a million years ago on a nanny show for Fox. Uh -huh. And I, I haven't really gotten that into Below Deck. This is how, like, incestuous the world of reality TV is. That's why I even say that. But people love Below Deck. In fact, I think she told me or she posted on Facebook or something that Below Deck is, like, I think it blows everything else out of the water. Really? You are not alone, Annie, from like a rating standpoint. I think, I don't want to misquote that, but it was something like that. Yeah. Um, which was your favorite show to work on of all the ones you got to be a part of? Well, this was not a reality TV program, but, you know, I met my husband on the set of Jackass. That's right. Movie. What were you doing on the set? I was being out of place is what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> I was... I worked on it. I was a production assistant. I was fresh out of college. I had never seen Jackass the TV show. I'd never heard of it. I didn't watch MTV. I didn't know anything about those guys. I had no idea, like, why it was popular. Like, I didn't think they were funny. I thought they were dirty and gross and everything. And that my husband, who 
was one of the creators. He was cute, though. (laughs) I I mean, that show, we I remember watching it for a season in college with my friends, and we'd be like, this is the most insane television show that I can you imagine them trying to launch that right now? It would just never fly right now. No, but you know, they spawned a million, million, million imitators. Yeah. I mean, I feel like YouTube came after Jackass and people were just imitating that handheld backyard style of hurting yourself, doing goofy stunts, like all of that kind of thing. All of that, you know, I'm sure some version of that would have arisen anyway among teenage (laughs) boys, let's be real. But I do feel like that Jackass sort of set that, sort of set that tone of why it's funny, why people love to do it. Like it, it's like a pioneer. Yes. It was, it was a pioneer. hundred percent. Will you go back to TV at any point? No, not TV. It's crazy hours. It's really hard. I would love to do other versions. My husband has made a few documentaries and I've worked just on the side, like helped him out with some of those. And I would love to continue doing stuff like that. I love documentaries. Um, or, it, you know, there's, I would love to do that kind of work, but like traditional reality TV, I do not see a nation in which I would ever <laughs> return to that. There's not a nation in which I would ever. Um, okay. Have you already done a documentary episode of your podcast telling us what documentaries to watch? No, but look at you producing my show Will because you please? you're amazing and I don't think forward like that. <laughs> I should. Yes. Yes. Hey, I do we- talk about different docs that we're watching. Yeah. Like I should because uh, are you watching? I don't know if you're into this kind of thing, but um, we're watching Last Chance You right now, which is a basketball documentary. Do no, I haven't watch watched it yet, but I so will. Good. Tell me more. Basketball is what I hear you say. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's basketball. It- it's on Netflix. It used to be they do a different series like every year and they did football for a, a few years and now they're doing basketball. So they're at these community colleges where athletes who either didn't qualify to play in a D1 school or maybe they qualified skill set wise, but like they had some troubles in their life or didn't make the grades or whatever. They go to these community colleges that have incredible sports teams and then they play for this community college hoping to you know, graduate up to um, a D1 school. Mm -hmm. If you like sports at all, even if you don't, because a lot of it is uh, like character studies of these athletes, it is fascinating. Um, We've watched all the football seasons and then they just finished up a basketball season about a a Los Angeles community college, which I just thought was so interesting. I just love like the coaches and the relationship between these athletes who are really trying to like, they're really striving to make it to the next level. And they're sort of caught in this limbo of, you being not quite good enough, but being too good to not pursue it. You know, I just, there's so much, it's, there's so much goodness in that show, but I will, I love all those kind of things. Any kind of documentary series, like I will, I will binge that. Like you wouldn't believe. (laughs) Okay. I'm coming straight for that basketball one after I finish. And I'd like to hear your opinion because I am rolling through for my, for the first time all the way through Arrested Development. That's what I'm working on right now. (gasps) Oh, what a good show that is. That's a perfect pandemic binge, by the way. <laughs> good choice, you. Thank you. I've watched season one through three before, but not four and five yet. So I started back at one and I'm, I'm making four and five are different. I'll tell you that four is different than one through three, but 
I'm really, you know, I picked it back up because I like listening to the Smart List podcast. Have you listened to that at all with Will Will Arnett and um, Jason Bateman and Sean Hayes? I only listened. I only listened to one episode because um, people were people were recommending it, and I listened to the Brad Paisley episode Me of too. Smart List, but that was just this week, so I need to get back to it. Yeah. Okay. I'll let you go, but I have one more question. What other podcast are you listening to? Oh my gosh, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I I don't trust podcasters who say they don't listen to podcasts. Same, same. Um, and I love Be There in Five with Kate Kennedy. Do you listen to her? She is pop culture deep dives, and she is deep dives. I mean to tell you, two plus hour episodes. <gasps> oh, that's my dream. But sometimes, I mean, sometimes I really want like she'll do like a two hour deep dive on Taylor Swift's new album and like all of the behind the scenes and all of it. And I'm like, that's exactly what I want right now. Like mm-hmm. I just need mm-hmm. hours on this one very specific topic. <laughs> so I love, I just love listening to her. That's uh, one of the things that I'm listening to right now. I also just listened to, I don't know if you're a true crime listener, but I just binged Tom Brown's body you listen to that? No. Is it good? I haven't listened to that one yet. I mean, it kept my attention. I go in and out of doing true crime. Like sometimes I will go a really long time and not do it, but then sometimes I just like crave it. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's a weird thing. But I was really in the mood for a distraction and Tom Brown's body definitely fit the bill. Yeah. Those are two that I am doing. I'm subscribing to be there in five right now. I'm doing it right this second. Okay. Is there anything we didn't talk about that we need to cover? I mean, there are a thousand other things I want to cover, but is there anything you want to make sure we cover? No, I feel like we could talk for so long, Annie. We have so much to say, but no, I just loved this. This was super fun. I agree. Next time you're in Nashville or I'm in LA, let's like sit down for a meal. I would absolutely love to just hang. Yes, please. Yeah. I would love it. Well, the last question we always ask, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what sounds fun to you. Well, right now, it sounds fun to me. I can't believe that this thing that used to be so normal sounds like the most fun that could ever possibly be. Would be at a restaurant, because, you know, restaurants in Los Angeles were closed for almost a full year. We had no restaurants. What sounds fun to me is to be with friends, hugging on a patio restaurant and like a party scene. (laughs) That would be That would sound the most fun to me. But if we were not in a pandemic, if we were not coming out of a year of COVID, what sounds fun to me in general is um, snorkeling in Tahiti. Am I allowed to say that? (laughs) Yes, snorkeling in Tahiti. Okay, why Tahiti? Why is that where you want to snorkel? Well, that's where I went on my honeymoon, but also we took a family trip there in 2019. So it's been a couple of years now. And it was the best trip I've ever taken in my whole entire life. Tahiti is obviously, you know, a a dream kind of trip. It is magical and everything. But like we snorkeled with sharks and stingrays. And like it was, uh, it was like the most, I can't ever think of anything that will ever top it. That's how amazing snorkeling in Tahiti is. Okay. That's a very good answer. Well done. I can't wait for our friends to get your book, listen to your podcast. And we got to do this again soon, Laura. I love this so much. Thank you for having me on, Annie.
Oh, you guys, don't you love her? My gosh, uh, amazing. I want to listen to all the podcasts she told us about. Watch the documentaries. I'm very interested. Be sure you grab a copy of Laura's new book, Share Your Stuff. I'll go first. And go follow her if you don't already so you can tell her thanks for being on the show and how much this conversation meant to you. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That is how you can find me. And I'm Annie F. Downs, TSF, like that sounds fun, on YouTube. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you, and I will do the same. Don't forget to pop over to AnnieFDowns.com and get your tickets to the That Sounds Fun podcast tour. Have a great weekend, friends, and we'll see you back here on Monday. 